We're going to um, turn to the Word of God now. So if you have a Bible, um, do turn up the book of Romans. And Jackie's going to come and read to us from Romans chapter 12, starting at verse 3. Thank you, Jackie. The second part of Romans is practical application in real life. So here Paul is talking, uh, speaking on how Christians should behave in the church and the world. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts, according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with yours, with your faith, If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is uh, to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Thanks very much, Jackie. Good morning to you all. Lovely to see you all. Have you... um ever thought, um, why is it that uh, soap operas, reality TV, are so popular? I wonder if it's to do with the fact that we have been made by God as relational, as social beings. People want to belong. Uh, people want to be able to share lives with others. And at the basic level, that happens in the family, but um, at the next level, we long for community. And therefore, if we are not busy enjoying being in a community ourselves, we are curious as to what that looks like. Either when a group of people are thrown together for a short period of time, in the case of reality TV, or in a fictional story of life in a community with all its ups and downs. Whether it's uh, one of these things, uh, EastEnders, or... uh, Is that one Coronation Street? Uh, Trying to feign ignorance here. Um... Emmerdale, neighbours, I'm sure you'll have your favourite. What they all have in common is that people are in each other's lives. They they maybe meet in the pub in the centre of the community. Uh, They're in and out of each other's homes. And there are some positive aspects to that. But of course, people being fallen 
it brings with it a whole load of issues as well, which is probably what makes the programs interesting for a lot of people. The church is a community, and it should be a model example of community, but sadly because of our fallenness, it's, it often falls short as well. But we want to learn how to be the community that God wants us to be. How to be a devoted church. And so this current series uh, is looking at five aspects of church from Acts 2. And the key verse being this one from Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Well, last week we looked at what it means to be devoted to learning to be devoted to knowing God better, trusting him more, and helping each other know him better. God is devoted to us, and he expects us to be devoted to him and his people. Hence Jesus' command, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. We said last week that God is not interested in a half-hearted commitment. With God, you're either completely for him, You're devoted to him and therefore his people, or you're against him. You can't have one foot in God's camp and one foot in the world. Well, this morning we're looking at what it means to be devoted to to one another. And as we'll see, it is an active thing. It involves sharing lives. But the heart of it is what it is we have in common. What is it that unites us? And that is the meaning of this word, fellowship. The new believers were devoted to fellowship. Fellowship wasn't actually a word that was really heard much outside of the church until a, a few years ago, until the Lord of the Rings films came out. Uh, first one of those was the Fellowship of the Ring. Um, and that actually helped to show that fellowship um, wasn't just about hanging out with some people who had the same interests as you. This group of people who came together because of the ring formed a strong, deep, and lasting partnership through all the challenging experiences they went through. So what about Christian fellowship? What does that look like? What does it look like for believers to be devoted to one another? Well, the first thing is it means to enjoy belonging to one another. If we are Christians here this morning, the thing that unites us is our faith in Jesus Christ. We believe that he's the son of God, who took the punishment for our sins that we deserved so that we can be forgiven and made right with God. By his spirit, we're being transformed into his likeness. The shorthand version of that is to be in Christ. And if each one of us is in Christ, then we are linked together. We belong to one another. passage in Romans um, that Jackie read for us explains this very well. Have a look at these verses. If you've got open um, in front of you, have a look and look down. It says, for just as each of, one of, each, one, each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each, members, each member belongs to all the others. And we're looking at this morning with, uh, with the children, weren't we? The, the image of the body emphasized the importance of each member playing its part. We know what it's like when a part of our body doesn't work. It might be our back for some of us. Um, might be our eyes. Maybe our ears. Maybe our heart. Maybe our lungs. It has an effect on the rest of the body. Just as each member is important to the body, so are we 
as members of the body of Christ. We're important to each other. To be in Christ means to know God as our Father. To be adopted into his family. All other Christians are therefore our brothers and sisters. We don't choose them. God has chosen them and he expects us to relate to them. So when we, we marry, we become part of a new family. We have new brothers and sisters-in-law, parents-in-law, uh, nephews and nieces. We can't say to our, our wife or our husbands, look, I want to marry you, but I don't want anything to do with your family. Well, that might be the way a lot of people think. <laughs> to have God as our father means we have a relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And that is more profound than any other human relationship. So how do we express that? How do we express our belonging to each other in Christ in the context of the local church? Well, firstly, by remembering what or who it is that unites us, Jesus Christ, and becoming closer to him. A.W. Tozer explains this using the image of a piano. He says, has it ever ever occurred to you that 100 pianos, excuse me, all tuned to the same fork, are automatically tuned to each other. They are of one accord by being tuned, not to each other, but to another standard to which each one must individually bow. So 100 worshippers met together, each one looking away to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be. Were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God to strive for closer fellowship? We belong to one another because we belong to Christ. The thing is that although we are made with a desire for relationship and made for a desire to belong, we also have a desire to be independent, to rule our own lives and make our own choices. And that is the influence of sin on our lives, that we will do what we want to do. I'm happy to be married, I'm happy to belong to a group as long as it doesn't affect my happiness and my well-being, as long as I can decide the terms of my commitment to that group. So it's not, if it's not giving me what I need, I can decide to opt out, I can decide to transfer my allegiance to another group. And that attitude is at the heart of many problems in, in marriages, um, and none of us is immune from that, which is why I would encourage you all who are married to come along to the marriage course in a couple of weeks, come and have a chat with me afterwards. But sadly, that attitude has also crept into the church. And it's a long way from God's idea of what it means to belong to his people and to be devoted to one another. If we are in Christ, it's because we have experienced the commitment, the sacrificial love of Jesus. That is what we have in common. And that commitment and sacrificial love should therefore characterize the relationships between his people. So if you were to say, you know, I'm happy to belong to this group of believers, but um, on my terms, you're denying precisely the thing you have in common. It would be like wanting to become a member of the, uh, the bowls club, but not wanting to, to play bowls. I want to be a member, but uh, actually I'd rather play tennis. Um, if you've got a great bowls lawn out there, that would make a fantastic tennis court. So how do we express our devotion to one another and our unity in the context of the, the local church? Well, we do it by publicly declaring our commitment to each other, by promising before God and the congregation to to love each other and serve each other, and then living up to those promises. 
And that is really what it, becoming a member of the church is all about, as opposed to just coming and worshipping regularly. And anyone who trusts in Christ as their Lord and Saviour, we would encourage to become members of this church. So again, come and have a chat to the pastors if you'd like to know more about that. Being devoted to one another is to enjoy belonging to one another. Secondly, it's to enjoy sharing life together. Let's go back to Acts 2. If you've got that open, I'll read from verse 44. Um, And listen for the word that keeps um, uh, coming up in these couple of verses. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They were together. They met together. They ate together. They did things together. They met in the temple. They met in their homes. Every day, they met It's a wonderful picture of community, isn't it? People wanting to meet up, wanting to share lives, wanting to eat together. And in case you're thinking, well, it must have been quite nice, you know, in those days, been a part of a nice small uh, church, could do a lot together. We've been told that there were 3,000 of them. They all came together for some things. They met in the temple, we're told, but they also met in homes. They, They ate together in small groups. A model which we still follow together. We gather together for corporate worship on a Sunday. And we meet in smaller groups in other times of the week. I talked last week about the importance of small groups in the context of of learning together. As much we can learn as we meet together. But small groups also help to build closer and deeper relationships. In a smaller group you can get to know people in a deeper way as you share things that are going on in your lives as you are open and honest with a smaller group of people, and ask you ask for, for prayer for one another. But why do you think um, Luke here, the writer of Acts, highlights the fact that the believers ate together in their homes? There's something quite special about eating together, isn't there? Tim Chester writes in his book, uh, A Meal with uh, Jesus, he writes this, hospitality involves welcoming, creating space, Listening, paying attention and providing. Meals slow things down. Some of us don't like that. We like to get things done. But meals force you to be people-oriented instead of task-oriented. Sharing a meal is not the only way to build relationships, but is number one on the list. To be welcomed into someone's home, you're not just being given something to eat, you're being welcomed into their lives. You're seeing how they behave out of the public eye. You're seeing the, the mess they live in. You're seeing their children misbehaving, their, their dog misbehaving, in the case of the Turton's household. Um, I, say, I wouldn't say which one. Uh, you're experiencing them serving you, making a meal, bringing it to you, making sure you have everything you want. Over the meal table, you can talk about um, things you might not normally be able to in the context of the busyness of life. On one hand, hospitality is a gift, and you see people who um, are very good at it. You know, they're always having people around. They're, they don't get flustered. They enjoy making meals. They don't just invite their friends around. They invite all sorts of people around. But on the other hand, we're all called to be hospitable. 
It doesn't matter if we can't cook or we can't afford much other than beans on toast. Um, It's actually all about sharing our lives. That is the most important thing. The thing also about being devoted to one another is not just doing what is expected of you. Um, Not inviting people for lunch because that is what you're meant to do. We're told here they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. There is a joy in sharing lives. Belonging to God's people is not just about coming along on a Sunday once a week, um, maybe staying for a coffee, but then disappearing off and leading some sort of secret Walter Mitty life the rest of the week. It's about being in, others, in one another's lives. In Romans 12, it said, <clears throat> love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Now, the root of this word, devoted, is the sort of affection that one has for one's own family. Think of what you would do for them if they were ill. Think how you would stand by them if they got into trouble. Think how you would defend them if somebody spoke badly about them. Think how you would never speak unfairly of them. Think how often you pray for them. Think about how you rejoice with them in their happiness and, and mourn with them in their sadness. God is saying here, the the feeling of affection that you have for your family members, I want you to have for your brothers and sisters in Christ as well. I'm pleased to say that people do here have that. It's great to see it in this church taking place. What Paul's getting at here is the sincerity of affection. We're meant to feel affection for one another. And you may say, well... I can't really change what I feel. If I don't feel that depth of affection towards a brother or sister in Christ, um, then there's not much I can do about that, surely. But that is why God tells us how we should feel. God can equally tell us what we should be doing, practice hospitality, as well as how we should feel when we do that. Be sincere, be joyful, he says. I mean, neither the actions we do that God commands us to do, nor the feelings that he uh, commands us to have, we do in our own strength. And in both of them, we're relying on the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why that passage carries on in Romans 12. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. To have spiritual fervor is to continue to seek the Spirit's transforming power in your lives. Our love for others is not something we either have or we don't have. It's either sincere or it's not sincere. It grows. You may not feel a depth of affection for others in the church right now. That doesn't mean you never will. Allow God to work in your heart if you ask him to. Let's get down to some nitty-gritty here. What may be the reasons why we don't feel affection for brothers and sisters in Christ? Here's a few things that somebody might say. Maybe you say, well, I've got nothing in common with people around here. Um, people here are too maybe middle class, too, too family oriented, too, too white, too sporty, too musical or whatever. Well, if you're a Christian, none of that matters. Because we have the most important thing in common. We have Jesus Christ. So it doesn't matter if you can't enter into a conversation about the football or about Top Gear or about schools or politics or whatever. Talk about Jesus. We can all talk about Jesus to one another. Some might say, well, they upset me. Um, they've done something or said something that, that hurt me or offended me. 
And as humans, we are, are terrible about holding on to those hurts, those grievances, um, as though they somehow justify the way we feel. It's like we don't want to get rid of those feelings. The reason Jesus said to his disciples, you need to forgive someone, not 77 times, but 77 times, is because every time that feeling comes back, he's saying forgive and forgive and forgive. He might say, well, they irritate me. To see the mistakes and failings of others, but be blind to our own, actually says a lot more about ourselves, isn't it, than others. Don't forget that you're probably just as irritating to them as they are to you. Um, But don't forget those four words right at the beginning of Romans 12, in view of God's mercy. God has been merciful to us, so let's be merciful to others. Maybe say, I just don't know many people. Um, Church is getting bigger. It just gets harder to know people. And that's really quite quite an easy response to that one. Get to know them. Um, Stay behind for coffee. Don't rush off if you don't need to. Um, I know if you're here on your own, and maybe you're a visitor here this morning, you're you're tempted to to disappear. Do stay behind, please. And uh, people are welcoming here. They're friendly. They will want to, to get to know you. But also join a small group. You can't get to know everybody in this church in a deep way. Um, but you can, in a small group, get to know people at a different level. To be devoted to one another is to enjoy sharing lives together. It's to in, finally to be devoted to sharing our gifts with one another. We'll look again at Acts 2, verse 44. It says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Now that's quite a radical verse, isn't it? Um, and it'd be quite tempting just to skip over it. But let's just look at what actually is this saying here. Um, is it saying we should all give up everything and go and live in a, in a commune? Well, certainly Jesus did call um, his 12 apostles to, to drop everything and go and follow him. He told the rich young ruler to, uh, to sell everything he had and give to the poor. He taught that human life doesn't consist in the, the abundance of possessions. But at the same time, the believers broke bread in their homes. So many clearly still had homes. Um, a couple of chapters later, we read the story of Ananias and Sapphira, who, who sold some property. And their sin wasn't their greed. Their sin was their deceit. They kept back part of the proceeds while pretending to give it all. And Peter said to them, didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, didn't the the money, wasn't it still at your disposal? So it's not here necessarily giving up all we have. It's actually something much harder than that. It's recognizing that all we have still belongs to God. And he's given it to us to decide how we're going to use it for his glory. And that is a big responsibility, isn't it? And the more you have, the bigger the responsibility you have. Because you will have to give account one day for how you've used that money that God has given you. Well, fortunately, God does give us some guidelines, and one of those is right here. It's uh, that we should share with those in need. And if there are many people in financial need around here that you're aware of, then there are plenty in other parts of the world. But it's not just our money um, that we're called to share. It's our time. It's our talents. 
And that's why we um, issued the Joy of Serving uh, booklets and had the Ministry Gift Day last uh, week, opportunity to, to share what God has given us, our skills and talents. And uh, if you haven't yet filled in your response card, then there's still an opportunity to do that and pop it in the box in the concourse. If we go back to Romans 12 again, um, having said that in verse 5, in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others, Paul goes on to say we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. The beauty of being part of the church is that although we can rejoice in our unity and being part of one body, we're also each unique. God's made us different. He's given us different gifts. But we will enjoy those gifts and talents that he's given us much more when we use them for the benefit of others. If you play a musical instrument, yes, you can play it on your own and enjoy doing that. But isn't there much greater joy in playing with others, in performing to others and helping and allowing them to enjoy the gift that God has given you? Everything we have, our money, our skills, our time, has been given to us by God to share with one another. And the more generous we are with what God has given us, the more he will give us to then share even further. So as I uh, come to a close, um, first of all, if you are someone who has not yet committed yourself to Jesus, can I urge you to do that? He has made us for a relationship with him. We are relational people. And the greatest relationship we can experience is with God, our creator. And as we experience that, we experience the reason we're made. We experience true life in all its meaning. But if you're already a Christian, but you're not maybe fully committed to God's people, can I encourage you just to think through why that, that might be? What is it that's holding you back from being devoted to your brothers and sisters? Because the more we share our lives, the more we share our gifts with one another, the more we enjoy the privilege of belonging to the family of God, the more we will glorify him. Amen.